0: big thing about this episode is this is a Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos episode, which I feel like not every podcast is a Dia de los Muertos episode.
1: That's true. And I've seen Coco from Pixar. I haven't seen it. Was I supposed to watch that before? Yeah, we all got. Did you know you got you didn't get the email?
2: No, I thought it was enough to be familiar with the grim specter of death from my lifestyle of dangerous stunts. Hmm. I think that could do
1: it. I think that could do it. I have a quick question about skeletons. If I do they if you were to play on their ribs, do they make a xylophone sound
0: in real life? Anyone can jump in on that. I'm not a physicist, but I think so. I feel like it would make some sound. I don't know if it would be as uh, I imagine you could do it though.
2: I think if you did it to the Grim Reaper, he'd be like, "Hey, stop that. Cut it out."
0: He is like that. It's true. He's a skinny guy, so you know, ribs are He's a skeleton. Yeah. Bone Boy, or Bone Lady, as we will oh, learn. Oh, yeah. that's good. Even Death Has Gone Woke. <laughs> Unbelievable. They recast Death as a Woman in French and Spanish. There's not going to be any
1: male characters left. Straight white male characters, there's not going to be any of them left in pop culture. They're taking them all from us. There's no role models for young boys
0: anymore. It's true. Who want to become personifications of Death. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're recording a podcast now. Yes. Mm. So this is, it's probably not aliens. Yeah. Probably one of the least connected to that idea episode that I think we've done. Yeah. So
1: typically this is a podcast where we look at ancient aliens, ancient astronaut theory, and we debunk it Or just look into it sometimes. I don't know. But along the way, we will discover and learn about real world history of people and places and things. And we're still going to do that part of the episode. But it sounds like this is one of those ancient astronaut theories that is so loosely connected to aliens that it's almost like a brief brush up against Extraterrestrials, and then we'll just spend the rest of the episode learning about fun history. Uh, I mean, I will learn about it anyway because I'm. My name is Scott. I know nothing. I come unprepared for each episode, except I plug my microphone in and I just have Tristan tell me stuff.
0: And my name is Tristan Johnson. I read way too many things. That is my weakness. But today. I also want to say that we are bestowing Mm -hmm. the It's Probably Not Aliens return guest challenge coin. Yes. To Mildred
2: Slime. Hello, I'm Mildred. I know exactly half of things. Oh, that's perfect. We
1: don't want the scale to be weighed either way. You know, we want everything perfectly
0: balanced as it should be. So do remember that this is the oops all ADHD edition of the show again. (laughs) Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That is true. <laughs> and in true ADHD hyperfixation fashion, today we are responding to what I think was around 15 seconds of the show Ancient Aliens.
1: hmm And you just latched onto it, and we have to make a whole episode about it.
0: Yeah, this is wild. So a little while back, we did an episode on the Black Death. Yes. And I think people liked that one. That was fun. Yeah. We all had a, a grand old time talking about a pandemic that killed millions of people. Mm-hmm. Very relatable. Very content. Can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's going great. Things are great right now, just saying. But the one thing that comes from, it all comes from this, like, one book. That, like, the theory that the Black Death was caused by aliens? Aliens, yeah. And not bacteria that we have seen and genetically sequenced Many times.
2: I think it, it makes sense, though, that the aliens came and they were carrying fleas and right. the fleas on the aliens had the plague. And so people got the
0: plague. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. The fleas were on the UFOs. They were sort of like on the ships. And then when the ships arrived on Earth, that, that makes sense. But another part of this story that I decided to sequester off into its own section just because I have a... uh this is going to be a weird part about me that you guys are going to learn, which is that I really like bones and like I have this sort of interest in like you guys can probably see there's actually like a literal sugar skull painting I have here, oh, but like yeah. I really like a lot of this sort of imagery of things. This is going to make me sound like a total psychopath,
1: but um, for the listeners at home, you can't see this, but Tristan does also have his own skeleton inside of his body. So I think it's safe to say ah! he's a fan. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry little warning there.
0: <laughs> oh, so spooky. <laughs> but like, I do have like an interest in things like personifications of death. Like one of the things, one of the lost timelines of Tristan, mm-hmm. who was almost going to go into archaeology instead of history, was to study Mesoamerican sacrifice rituals and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And this episode is the Day of the Dead episode. Yeah.
1: Can I ask, did you ever watch the show Bones? I never watched it, but I think it's I about did. Bones.
0: I did. I did watch Bones. I stopped Precisely when they did an episode where the central moral question, or the answer to the moral question posed in the episode, was that the death penalty is good and we should have more of it. Mm. Well, they want more bones. Mm. Yeah, it just makes sense. It's a perverse incentive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an episode where they let go somebody who was in prison for murdering. And they were like, oh, this person should have been executed. And then we didn't execute them. And mm. then they did another murder. And it was like, ah, if you had only not executed them, there would have been another murder. It happens 100% of the time. and that's, Yeah, it was yeah. It was bad. Are we going to
2: touch on the theory that aliens are responsible for the night that the skeletons came to life and that bones are their dollars and worms are their money? Ooh. I don't know. That's new to me.
0: I think you should leave now, Mildred. Well,
2: because they pull your hair up, but not out. Okay. They want another chance at life because they've never seen as much food as this. Mm -hmm. Because underground, there's half as much food as this.
0: Well, we are doing a special extended version of this episode on Corncob TV that's sort of in the same vein. Okay. All right. So yeah, the Grim Reaper... That is the topic of today's episode, if you haven't figured that out yet. The Grim Reaper. In this ancient aliens theory, the idea was that some people had seen pale morasses and like vapors and stuff like that associated with the plague showing up. And we kind of talked about in the episode on the Black Death that this is more about like the concept of miasma theory and the way that they conceived of disease in the Middle Ages, but Mm -hmm. also in the same ancient aliens claim and this is the part where I was like, oh, oh, my goodness. They were saying that also there was all of these drawings and depictions of the Grim Reaper that show up during the Black Death. Huh, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. And they concluded that obviously the Grim Reaper mm-hmm. is some sort of alien figure.
1: Right. The Grim Reaper is an alien coming with the fleas, with the Black Plague,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's how it's all connected. And I can't see another... I can't even conceive of another way that the Grim <laughs> Reaper would be connected.
2: Why wouldn't they just draw an alien then? Good mm. question. Next thing. I can tell you, as an artist, skeletons are very hard to draw. If I could avoid drawing a skeleton, I would. That's you true. know, it just,
0: Yeah, it is. It's so many bones, right? It's so many So bones. many bones. Mm-hmm. So furthermore... Not only this thing that the Grim Reaper is an alien, the first thing I thought of was like, wait a minute. I know way too much about Mexican folklore to know that, like, the image that we think of as the Grim Reaper does show up because of the Black Death. We'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. But it's built on so many things. So
1: much. I don't even know, right? You're about to teach me, but I already know that it's there's so much more than just... Like, for the listeners at home, Tristan usually breaks up these episodes into, like, different acts. Like, Act 1 is going to be, like, what the alien theorists say. Act 2 is, like, some more information. Act 3 is... You know, just, you know, like act one is supposed to be all about like, what's the actual claim? He wrote two bullet points about the (laughs) claims.
0: Yeah, this happens (laughs) too much on ancient aliens, which which kind of sucks for content purposes. But it's just like and then this shows up in the historical record. Mm, Could be an alien.
1: Yeah, because they don't go into it. And now it's up to us to be like, all right, that little five second thing. We have to spend an hour talking about it. Yeah.
2: Maybe Napoleon was so short because he was
0: an alien. Can we say that? I can't wait. You know? I'm looking forward to when the event becomes old enough or Ancient Aliens uh runs out of enough of ideas where there's an episode where they say that aliens did oh, nine no. eleven. Um <laughs> that'll be the day that I officially ascend. Um, -hmm. I'll have an out of body experience while recording a podcast.
2: Aliens did not extraterrestrials, but aliens. Mm, Sure. You got it on a technicality, I suppose. What if that's the rug they pull at the end of the series? They're like, that's what we were talking about the the whole whole
0: time. It was actually Al Qaeda (laughs) that was kidnapping people and making them lose time and doing uh, all of those like, like Roswell the actual conspiracies that Roswell was done by Al Qaeda. Oh my God. <laughs> a second UFO has hit the tower. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, the Grim Reaper um, the Grim the image. Reaper. I'm sure everybody can, can point out the idea of an animate skeleton in a black robe, walking yes. around with a scythe to reap the souls of people who die and take them to the afterlife. That is pretty iconic. What I have found is that it has Gotten to every corner of the world. And in a lot of places, they've taken their own personification of death and just replaced it with the Grim Reaper. It's that powerful of an image. Yeah. If you even Google death, just the Mm -hmm. word death, the image search shows up, it's all pictures of the Grim Reaper. It's so intertwined with our like concept of things that it's just like, it's there. And the thing is, is that it does actually have origins to the period that they're talking about. The first sort of drawings of what would become the Grim Reaper show up in 14th century Europe during the Black Death, because, you know, it was a pandemic that killed like a third of the population of the continent. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And some of these words are like Reaper is not a word we use a whole lot anymore. Reaper is basically a term for collecting, like harvesting crops, that kind of a thing. Oh, like it was a job or something? Well, it's kind of part of farming. Sure. We
2: definitely use the word reap, like you reap what you sow Mm -hmm. or like, you know, but Reaper is almost like, I hear that word, I think Grim Reaper. Yeah, 100%.
0: So the Black Death did have its original onset uh, from the years 1347 to 1351, but there were subsequent other outbreaks that happened after that. It would come back over and over again. It also hit the Middle East pretty hard. That doesn't get talked about nearly as much, like how it destroyed Alexandria, the big port city in Egypt, Mm. to a place where it basically never recovered. But in Europe, you can imagine death was on people's minds uh, during this period. Mm -hmm. And I'll also mention that there's a lot of stuff that is specifically in European cultural identity and like the sort of cultural background of European culture that leads to the images that would be created with the Grim Reaper. And I'm glad that we have, at least I uh, we have one person, uh, Mildred, you've got some Catholicism experience. So you might remember some things in this Mm -hmm. because we're going to be talking about Catholicism and how Catholicism actually really likes bones and really likes like Uh the kind of imagery that would become the Grim Reaper.
2: Yeah. It's like, hey, we got this guy's finger. Come here and pray because the
0: finger's here. And uh, I don't know, you'll go to heaven or whatever. Yeah. wow. A lot of people who are listening to the show are probably in the Americas. And I feel like Catholicism has a different vibe in the English-speaking part of the world. Mm -hmm. But the idea that Catholicism has a strong emphasis on, like, body parts and skeletons and all those kinds of things is huge. To the point where I think that in the Czech Republic or something like that, there's, like, a church literally made of bones. Like, where the inside is just completely filled with bones. It's all bones. Yeah.
2: Bones all the way down. Oops, all bones. Not just bones, but, like, all the accoutrements of death, right? Like, you think of, like, the Shroud of Turin or, like... Even the fact that the symbol of
0: Christianity is how Jesus died, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And specifically in Catholicism, the symbol is usually depicting like a pretty photorealistic image of him dying. Yeah. But like, you see this in a lot of different things. I kind of said the Americas because that's a bit of a misnomer, the English part of the Americas, because I remember when I went to the Cathedral of Mexico in Mexico City, one of the things that's in the cathedral are what are called incorruptibles, which is part of sort of a Catholic symbol of a miracle, which is that if somebody was like so pure that they died without sin, that basically their bodies wouldn't decompose, they basically became Mummified in some fashion or another. But then mm. a lot of Catholic churches will then be like, oh, then that's kind of like a holy relic almost. So they keep them on display. And so you just go into the Cathedral of Mexico and you'll just see like in a glass case, there's just, oh, that's a dead person just kind of lying there. Interesting. Okay. And if you go to any churches, especially like old Catholic churches in Europe, it's not uncommon to be like, "Oh yeah, here's like the decapitated head of a saint that we keep here in the reliquary because that makes the church special," like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so this and this shows up in a lot of different things, and has a, I think a little bit to do with the Catholic Church's origins in the Roman Empire, because one of the common ideas that shows up in European culture is a term called "memento mori." Has anyone heard this one before? Yes. Yes.
2: Typically, an old lady, an old crone, that is uh, meant as a visual signifier of forthcoming death.
0: Yeah, it's Latin, and it means remember that you have to die. Mm-hmm. And in the sort mm-hmm. of idea of Christianity, that no matter how powerful you are, no matter like what station you are in society, we all die. That's sort of the big thing. You see this; it goes all the way back to antiquity. Like this was like a thing in like the Roman Empire.
1: So my brother has that phrase, like sort of on his bicep, and it's that sort of way that he tries to be like, you know, remember your own sort of mortality and like, you're not going to live forever and that sort of thing. But what I always found really funny about it is that he was terrified of telling our parents that he got a tattoo. So we would like go to the beach every so often and he would have to like keep his arms folded like the whole time to prevent our parents from seeing this tattoo. And meanwhile, it's just like the tattoo itself is almost like saying like, Hey, you know, just live your life, man. It's not, you know, you, it, it, nothing lasts forever. Just, just go live your life. Yeah, if
0: you really think about it, it's a medieval version of YOLO. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say those exact oh, words. God oh, damn it! No, <laughs> <laughs> he should, he should get YOLO on the other bicep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the translation
1: on the other side.
0: <laughs> but yeah, like the thing is that this appears a lot in medieval funerary art. So if you ever go to like an old medieval graveyard or old medieval churches, you're going to be kind of surprised to find a lot of depictions of skeletons and bones on these things because today our sort of funerary culture is much more sanitized. And so like it would be very uncommon to see like somebody buried in like modern day that has like a skull on their tombstone or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. But this was a pretty common thing. Like Memento Mori was such a well-known trope in Europe at the time of the Black Death that Mm -hmm. just depicting a skeleton in a piece of funerary art would be enough for people to know what that means. Like a shorthand, because of course, a lot of people back then couldn't read. So it became a pretty good symbol for that. But it actually has roots even further back than Europe and goes all the way back to like ancient Rome. But even as far back as ancient Greece, there's evidence that it kind of comes from the roots of Stoic philosophy. There's some like writings about people like the philosopher Democritus who spent a lot of time apparently contemplating his own death. So he would just go and vibe in tombs to just conceive of his own idea of death. There's a lot of times, like uh, in a book called *Phaedo* by Plato, great branding on that one. Mm -hmm. That's the one where he talks about the death of Socrates uh, that actually also talks about the idea that philosophy is basically, quote, about nothing else but dying and being dead. It's interesting because
2: Socrates was in the first Bill and Ted movie. And oh. death was in the second Bill and Ted <laughs> Oh. So, there's a connection there, I think. All right. Excellent.
1: Get, get on it, film essayists. Think about that one for a second.
0: The Stoic philosophy of Bill and Ted. <laughs> but yeah, the thing is that in classical antiquity, there were a lot of Stoics who talked about death. Uh, Seneca talked a lot about death. Epictetus told his students that when they were kissing their child or their brother or their friend that they should remind themselves that they are mortal and curb their pleasures. Oh
2: Ugh. no. The Gary V of his time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want you
1: to get in the shower and just think about all your family. That's going to die. Just think about them dying and that'll motivate you to do anything. Well,
0: this is actually a weird you thing. So amped up. So pumped up. It's more connected than you think, because I, I found out through this, the research on this, that a lot of like the Gary V side hustle bros are weirdly into stoic philosophy. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, researching this got me so many weird recommendations on YouTube. That's like what Marcus Aurelius has to say about side hustles and stuff like that. So, oh my god, the quote about it is: uh, "Those who stand behind men in their triumphs and remind them that they are mortal." And that comes up a lot, like the idea that everybody should be reminded that you will die. Marcus Aurelius, the philosopher slash Roman emperor, kind of talked about a lot in his writings about how ephemeral and how short life is. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if this is a myth, but I've always heard
2: that when Roman like generals had a big victory and they threw a triumph in Rome, which was like a parade to celebrate their cool big victory, there was a guy whose job it was to follow the general around. And as everybody's praising
0: him to just go, hey, you're going to die someday. Yes, that did come up. You're going to die someday. Uh, That did come up. And from what I can tell is that the jury is kind of out over whether or not that's apocryphal. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things like that. So if you think about Catholicism as taking like early Christianity slash like the sort of like a Jewish tradition of like Abrahamic faith and mixing it with Roman antiquity, because if you really want to break it down, Christianity is sort of like a weird syncretic mix of a bunch of Middle Eastern and European traditions sort of all kitbashed together and we end up with Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of take a lot from Judaism, which also talks a lot about Death and remembering death. Moses says in the Bible, he prays that uh, we should all number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, I'm assuming that's a book of the Bible. It is, yeah. The preacher insists that, quote, It is better to go to the house of the morning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and living will lay it to heart. Man. And... To kind of also give us some beginnings of talking about the Grim Reaper, in the book of Isaiah, the lifespan of a human being is compared to the short lifespan of grass. Quote, the grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, which I think is going to be very important when talking about reaping.
2: Mm. Well, I think some of the people are grass. Some of them are uh, ass or gas. It's one of those
0: three. But none of them ride for free. It's that true. Is true. <laughs> It was a very good joke. (laughs) So here comes Christianity, which is like, hey, what if this radical egalitarian Jewish sect that showed up in Palestine around this time, what if that, but we also fused it with the extremely hierarchical Roman Empire, and you basically end up with sort of early Roman Catholicism. And... The idea of the memento mori entered into Christian thought and mixed with the sort of strong emphasis that Christianity has on the afterlife. Now, Judaism doesn't have as much of like a hyper focus on judgment and death as Christianity does, as we all know. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of Memento Mori became more of a thing to talk about how fleeting and how small life on Earth is and to Mm -hmm. constantly have your thoughts on the next life and the divine and the afterlife and all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so the sort of images came together into that.
1: Yeah. And when you say like the next life, you mean like the metaverse? Yes. Like have my my thoughts on the metaverse. When you go to the
0: metaverse, you go to San Junipero, and mm-hmm. do AD stuff for the rest of eternity. Yeah, yeah, That's how it works.
2: Awesome. I'm going to get a cool shirt that I bought with crypto. Hope you've minted it already, because shirt coin is way too expensive. Now, yeah, true.
1: that one's on me, actually. To the moon.
2: To the meta moon.
0: Uh, I got an email the other day from somebody who wanted to sponsor a video of mine for their Play to Earn mm-hmm. NFT-based game, and I basically told them to fuck off.
1: Yep, I I have a template that I use for when people try to get me to promote NFT stuff. That basically just
0: says "fuck off" and also maybe rethink your life choices. <laughs> basically, that's what I said, and then I just linked to the Dan Olson video. And uh, oh, several nice! I, Jim I should Sterling start doing videos. that. <laughs> And also they said they were a fan of my videos and I was like, oh, you obviously missed this one I talked about where I said cryptocurrency is a scam.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're like, dear YouTuber, I'm a
0: big fan of your videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I love your content. Yeah. So
0: in this early period, this is when we start finding in the second century specifically, this is when we find the first writings about exactly what you talked about there, Mildred, the idea of the concept that the people were following around the generals and saying, remember that you will die. Mm hmm. And the idea is that it might have been Christian moralizing because this is a frustrating Mm. part about dealing with the Middle Ages, is that the people who wrote history at that time were largely in the clergy and their concept of history was basically that they knew what happened. And if the historical record didn't fit with what they knew happened, they had no trouble just like, you know, editing and adding it in. Ah. And so a lot of medieval historian work has to do with like finding what has just been like shit they made up in order to make history fit the theology, basically. Mm. It's the Adam Savage. I reject your reality and
1: substitute my own. Yeah, basically.
2: Yeah, it does kind of backfire in a way, though, because like now, when the history does conform to what they would want it to be, you can't really believe them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's true. true. You would just instinctively doubt it. Yeah, it's just ah, it doesn't sound true. They
0: probably made that up. No, but we swear this time. We're pretty promise. Promise. Pinky swear. And also at the time, the pagan antiquity religion, the Roman uh, had a different type of of thing that was not so much memento mori as something called nunc es bibendum, which means now is the time to drink. So memento mori and the sort of fleetingness of the moral life and all that kind of stuff is sort of a direct rebuke to the sort of Roman identity of how to live your life. Oh, Hmm.
2: it's like a it's five o'clock somewhere type of Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, the Roman Empire famous for that.
1: I like an adult beverage. I crack open a Lacroix every
0: once in a while.
1: Ooh, mm-hmm. spicy, spicy water.
0: Mm-hmm. So Memento Mori then comes in during this prevalent period to emphasize that all of these earthly pleasures and are basically empty, and to focus on the hereafter, the eternal. It
2: seems like a bad strategy to me because, like, if the point of it is that life is fleeting, then like. Oh, I have all of eternity to do cool afterlife shit. I shouldn't think about that right now. I can only do life shit for a little while. That is true. Yeah. It
1: does feel like if they're like, this mortal existence is fleeting, focus on what comes after. It's just like, do I just sit and wait? Like, what's the what? Are, what's my plan here? What am I supposed to do right now?
2: You kind of got to min-max it, I guess, is you have to be like exactly 51% good. Mm. So that you get into heaven, but you get enough sins that you're, like, satisfied with your time on Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that.
0: Makes sense. You have to 100%. Play the system. So this got picked up by a lot of ascetic groups, like, you know, monks and stuff like that, you can imagine. Although... If you really study medievalism, there are a lot of monks who lived it up quite well. But the idea behind a lot of ascetic groups was to reject earthly pleasures in search of a better afterlife, that kind of a thing. Mm. And so this what this all resulted in is a lot of what I kind of talked about, which were trancy or cadaver tombs, which are tombs that depict the picture of decayed corpses or skeletons on them, which became a fashion for quite a long time, including up until the 15th century. And that there are still some of these today. And this spread into other areas. Puritans, the sort of beginning of evangelical Christians, used Mm -hmm. to put uh, winged skulls and skeletons on their tombstones. Also, adding the image of an angel snuffing out a candle, which is sort of the same idea, just transplanted to a more Protestant context. So it did exist, even as I'm sure, if you ever like studied like old West graveyards, there was this strange tradition back then where if you go to like a 19th century graveyard in like somewhere like Arizona or something, you'll find that they put like people's cause of death on their tombstone to just remind you like, oh, these are the different ways people die. Have you played the video game Hades, either of
1: you? Yes. It is very good. And like one of the side things that you can do is like interact with ghosts and they will like tell you how they died. And it's always very funny. The one I I think I remember is like some ghost was talking about how he was... He died while he was like um, pursuing like his love or something. And the cause of death said dehydration because he was thirsty. Uh And I thought that was very funny.
2: When I was a kid, my primary school had this tradition where they would put up graves for all of the staff of the school with little like jokes about how each one died. And I remember the janitor, whose name was Mr. Maloney, Mm. uh, choked on a piece of baloney.
1: Perfect. (sighs) Maloney, Maloney, baloney.
0: The baloney, the food of of your culture. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) You laugh. That's true. No, it's yeah. I had some relatives over from back home recently, and there was so much more baloney talk than I'm used to, (laughs) which is none.
1: I'm working on a video right now where I make and rank a bunch of sandwiches from Scooby Doo. You know the sort of educational stuff that people come to me for, and I had to go to three different grocery stores. To find baloney. What are all these weirdos
0: mm. doing with baloney right now? It has declined in popularity, I think. Uh, mm. I feel like it was as the most processed no, food imaginable. It was imaginable. sold out. Yeah, oh, that's what I'm saying. Interesting. It was
1: sold out. I had to go to three different stores. So, what are these weirdos doing with bologna
2: Well, it's because of the uh, bologna challenge on TikTok. The baloney the <laughs> What's challenge. the baloney challenge? You just have to eat uh, a shitload of bologna Oh, okay. That's pretty simple, pretty
0: straightforward. Well, try it sometime, buddy. You either finish the pack or your kidneys no, easy, die from too much sodium. It's a challenge for a reason. Yeah. But this idea in Christianity, the baloney idea, develops so hardcore that you do end up with things like uh, the Capella de Osos de Evora or the Capuchin Crypt there in Rome, which are these chapels made of bones. Mm-hmm. It, so Capuchin Crypt is full of bones.
2: Is that where the movie Monkey Bone comes from? Uh, If you could have your editor add in a rim shot with that, that would... would Perfect. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. We'll add that in, and here's another one for safety. Hey.
0: Okay, good. Okay, we're good. So you can imagine then, because of this, like, this is why, like, human remains... Decide the fact that some human remains are the remains of saints, which is sort of a whole different aspect of mm. catholic life holy bones oh yeah those are the good bones mm-hmm. the sweet Not bones. these regular shitty bones yeah. mm. this reminds me that um one of my favorite step back videos that's going to be on my list of great videos you all slept on is my one about mm-hmm. the legacy of the church relic the holy propuse, which is the preserved foreskin of jesus
2: oh no <laughs>
0: um, which has had several conflicting claims as to where it is today
2: yeah see the, the one that always gets me about that right is like I get why you would preserve that mm-hmm. after you know who Jesus is. You know he's going to be a big deal, mm-hmm. right? But Like when he was born, they didn't know this fool was going to be the Messiah. Why are they keeping his? What
0: like do they typically keep a foreskin? Like foreskin speculators, where like, they, who are they, like uh, they just buy up baby yeah. foreskins in case like a, one of these kids is important, <laughs> and so they like mm. yeah. The
2: chain of custody here is is what trips me up. That is the original NFT.
0: You can't funge that token.
2: Because <laughs> it's not like they just, they couldn't just have like a
1: jar or anything.
2: Because it's like, how do
1: you know who, which one belongs to who? Yeah. You have to have like a whole filing system of like, <laughs> this one was this kid at this date. and
0: Oh yeah, that's Malachi, the foreskin collector. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Oh no. We don't talk to him very much. <laughs> There's too many logistics here. I don't want to think about it.
2: And for that reason alone, I don't want to think about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's purely the logistics that gives me a
1: headache and it's nothing else about the subject that puts me off.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you actually walk into the Capella dos Osos, that's actually where you see lying over there. We bones lying here bare await yours. So just like the real stuff. Also, for a long time, there a lot of public clocks would be decorated with similar things saying Ultima Forsan, which means perhaps the last hour or uh, Vulnerant Ooh. Omnis Ultima Necat, which means they all wound and the last kills. These are like really these It's cool like really morbid shit to put on a clock. Yeah. Like, 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 holy like shit. public clocks. Like yeah. the clock in town square would have this.
2: Uh-huh. That's what, exactly what you want in a clock, mm-hmm. though, is that each time you look at it, you're aware that the seconds are ticking by until your inevitable death.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Mary, Queen of Scots, had apparently a special watch that had a silver skull on it that actually says, pale death knocks with the same tempo upon the huts of the poor and the towers of the kings. Demonstrably untrue. Yeah.
2: I feel like the kings probably got a bit more meta Going, yeah. going, <laughs> although at the time that probably wasn't mm. super
0: helpful. Mm. And kind of after the medieval period and you get into like the early modern period, memento mori stuff starts moving into jewelry. And so a lot of people start having rings, pendants, brooches, lockets, things like that that are decorated with uh, images of skulls and deaths and stuff like that that is built mm. upon the idea of remembering that you die, including a very famous kind of aspect of the Middle Ages. Another kind of part of this, which is called la danse macabre, which means The Dance of Death. Ooh, spooky, scary skeleton dance. And this is kind of in the same vein, but the idea that death is universal, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of speaking to Mary, Queen of Scots, clock. Very often, you find that images of this show a bunch of dead skeletons dancing. Not alive skeletons. No, dead skeletons. Mm. And what would happen is that you would have, of the skeletons dancing, one would be a pope, one would be an emperor, one would be a king, one would be a child, and one would be a peasant. The idea is that everybody dies. Everyone dies. hmm That was the sequel to the book, Everybody Poops. It was everybody everybody dies. dies.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> Didn't catch on with the kids so much. If you poop, you will
2: die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a skeletons dancing usually are depicted with a trumpet, which always confuses me. Toot. That is an instrument that a skeleton cannot play. Toot. For they do many, not have many reasons. Yeah. yeah.
1: No lungs, no lips.
2: Very difficult to play. You could not have picked a worse instrument. Yeah. A drum. They can do that they can do easily. That. Yeah.
0: I've seen them play the flute Uh, in Army of Darkness. True. Okay. And the flute was also made of bone, so maybe that is why. Mm. Special bone flute. Mm-hmm. So that's basically like the sort of Christian idea of the Grim Reaper. This ends up with a lot of like stories that show up a lot in the myths. Like uh, there's a Grim fairy tale. About the Grim Reaper becoming the godparent to someone who becomes a doctor. Any relation there?
2: To... The Brothers Grimm and the Grim Reaper. I Re- was going to ask you question. Reed,
0: there, uh, death shows up a lot in Grim Brother fairy tales, so I wouldn't be surprised. Nepotism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Speaking of nepotism, this physician that the Grim Reaper raises gets a vial of water that basically will cure anybody of any disease if he gives it to them, but if he shows up to a patient and death is at the foot of the bed then he can sprinkle water and cure the patient but if it's at the head of the bed he can't do it but then in a very you know fairy tale fashion he then gives the water when death's at the head of the bed to a child which then results in death getting very mad then getting taken to a room that shows a candle for everybody on earth showing candles burning with how much time they have left and then seeing that his own candle is almost entirely burned away and then The Grim Reaper snuffs it out and he dies. You know, for children. Children Children's stories. For
2: children. Yeah, but if it's almost burned out anyway, then he was going to die pretty soon anyway, so it doesn't seem like a big deal. And he got to see the
1: cool candle room.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was his final wish. By the way, the minute Death was mad at me, you know I'm chugging that water. Mm -hmm.
0: Can't kill me, I got the (laughs) curing water. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Try it, bitch, yeah. Shouldn't have given me the real-life health potion. So yeah, that, another thing that shows up is there's a lot of stories of the Grim Reaper falling in love with a with a beautiful maiden. There's a lot of Renaissance artwork and 19th century artwork showing these things. Mm. Most famously would probably be the 1934 film Death Takes a Holiday, which then got adapted into the 1998 film Meet Joe Black. Oh, I've not seen this. I don't watch movies very much. Me neither.
2: There's one scene that is relevant in that movie. It's how the Joe Black character dies is he is quite famously hit by a bus and then while in the air, hit by a second vehicle. Oh, I've seen this clip. Yes. Yeah. It's very good. Is it meant to be funny? No. Oh. It's meant to be like shocking and like, oh my God. Life is so fragile at any moment when you're standing in the middle of the street, you could be simultaneously hit by two cars. Mm. Damn. Damn. It is funny, though. It is quite funny, Unintentionally funny things are typically the most funny things that come out of cinema sometimes. Also, I think there's a scene where Brad Pitt speaks in Creole, and it is... No. It's really hard to watch. No.
0: Another famous example from film that sort of speaks to our Bill and Ted story is a 1957 film from Sweden called The Seventh Seal, which is the first time you see this story of death betting somebody's future on a game, uh, typically of chess, and mm. that has become referenced in multiple things over the years, including Bill and Ted, where if I remember they play uh, Twister with Death. Oh. They play a bunch of games.
2: They start with chess and defeat him effortlessly. And he's like, no fair, I want, a, I want a rematch. And so then they play checkers and they beat him at that. And then Battleship and then Twister. And then, the, you know, eventually he's just like, all right, perfect. Man,
1: I got to watch movies.
2: Then he becomes part of their band and it's a major plot point in part three.
0: I have to see that in part uh, three. Fun. Yeah,
2: that's awesome.
0: But then also there's some other roots to the Grim Reaper imagery that show up a lot older that also imply not aliens. Like, for example, a lot of the imagery of the Grim Reaper comes from the death god Thanatos. Yeah. Of Hades, the video mm-hmm. game fame.
1: Of Hades the video
0: game. He's he's the he's the hunky sexy boy that you get to romance and he's great and I love him. Mm-hmm. Thanatos is the root of the term thanatology, which is the academic field of studying death and dying and yes also the origin of thanos for scott i know see
2: i was wondering if you were truly going to hedge your bets here tristan because it's a 50 50 shot whether i would bring up thanos or
0: david xanatos from gargoyles oh boy. Ooh. we both have like a lot of signs that we watch the exact same cartoons in the 1990s <laughs> there
1: has to be an ancient aliens theory about gargoyles right i hope there so. there has to be, to be oh something. man
2: yeah yeah we that's, that's a good one that. Yeah. Gargoyle Facts. It's time for Gargoyle Facts. Mm-hmm. Are you all ready for Gargoyle <laughs> Facts? Oh, no. Did you know? This is Gargoyle Facts. Awesome. Uh, the famous segment from It's Probably Not Aliens podcast
0: on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Did you know that the word gargoyle is an automatopoeia? Because originally gargoyles were uh, designed into buildings as water spouts. They would like shoot the water out of their mouth and they would make the noise like gargoyle, 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 gargoyle. So, oh my amazing. goodness. I did not know that.
0: And that's that's your my gargoyle favorite fact.
2: gargoyle fact. That's so good. That's so good. This has been Gargoyle Facts. Excellent.
1: That's my favorite segment of this show.
0: Phanatos. Phanatos, the son of Nyx, the goddess of the night, and mm-hmm. the brother of Hypnos, the god Hypnos. of sleep. I recognize all of these from Hades the video game. <laughs> The most famous myth about Thanatos is that once he was captured and imprisoned by Sisyphus, who was the king of Corinth, then was chained and bound in the castle of Sisyphus, resulting in nobody being able to die on Earth, which led to Ares, the god of war, getting pretty mad because he wasn't able to win any battles because nobody was dying. So then he goes and frees Thanatos from Sisyphus and then sends Sisyphus to Tartarus, which is the Greek version of hell. Mm -hmm. And then he's pushing a boulder up a hill forever. Mm -hmm. This image shows up in a lot of Grim Reaper stories that have to do with death taking vacation and dying no longer happening and the chaos that that would cause. There's a Russian fairy tale, which, of course, a Russian fairy tale would be about this Mm -hmm. called uh, Death and the Soldier. But there's a lot of stories like this that show up fairly often. I'm almost through cultural osmosis. I'm sure you can think of uh, those kinds of things. The other, in the Bible, there's also another image that comes through the Grim Reaper, which is the Angel of Death, which goes by the name of uh, Azrael, who in the Bible several times shows up most famously mm. to kill all of the firstborn From in Egypt. Batman. Sorry, it's really important that I say this
2: joke. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up that they let that baby killing guy become Batman. Okay, proceed. <laughs> with
0: this thing. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. So that's all the cultural milieu going on when the Black Death happens and they make the image of death because death is such a big part of their society mm-hmm. or of their experience at the moment. They they kind of make the Grim Reaper who shows up to harvest the souls of the dead with a scythe because a scythe is basically the medieval version of a lawnmower. Mm. So you would use it to cut grass. So you cut down the wheat that's grown to be ripe to, you know, that kind of nice. thing. Nice. It didn't actually have a lot of religious connotation when it first came out, but then over time, the image of the Grim Reaper got amalgamated into a sort of more revelations thing, and it got merged into the Horseman of Death, Ooh. one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So sometimes now you see the Grim Reaper riding on a pale horse. Awesome. So that's sort of the main thing. But other cool things, English cultures tend to represent Death as being a male figure, but The word death in French and Spanish is feminine, Mm -hmm. and so very much death becomes a female figure. Death becomes her, you might say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of cultures, you'll find out, a lot of their concepts of death end up being female. And that's the next part we're going to get into after this little break. We're going to talk about how other cultures have embodied the Grim Reaper in a lot of different cool ways. Oh, boy.
1: All right. We've been talking about death. We've been talking about the Grim Reaper. We have yet to mention the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, but I'm sure it'll come up at some point,
2: mm-hmm. as well as the television program Reaper,
1: canceled before. Its I time. was also thinking about Reaper. I, it had like one season. I thought it was great, had a great premise.
0: Two seasons ended on a cliffhanger. Two seasons. Very oh, okay. upset about well, it. Well,
1: see, that's on me. I'm a fake Reaper fan.
0: Dead Like Me, that was a Grim Reaper show, too, right? Yeah, it sure was. Bring it back. Powerful cultural icon. Outside of TV shows canceled before their time, the Grim Reaper does show up in various different cultures representing death in a whole lot of very interesting ways. Mm. Also, much to the chagrin of people who want to say that the Grim Reaper is an alien, personifications of death show up in cultures around the world and a lot of different contexts. And so we're going to take a little tour of... Death in various cultures, right. uh, including a lot where the Grim Reaper in Catholicism uh, had happy little babies, especially in places like Latin America. All right. The first stop that we are going to go on yeah. is a person by the name of San La Muerte or Saint Death, which is in Paraguay and northeastern Argentina and southern Brazil. Okay. But is a sort of representation of a saint is Saint Death, Yeah, that is a male skeletal figure with a scythe that shows up a lot in prisons. A lot of prisoners seem to have reverence for Saint Death, despite the fact that the Catholic Church of Mexico has said that Saint Death is a bad tradition. It mixes paganism and Christianity is contrary to Christian belief of Christ defeating death. Still... San Luerte still has a lot of followers by people who are self-proclaimed devoted Catholics. And you'll find out that this happens a lot because Catholicism around the world is very full of syncretism. Mm. San Pascualito is an example in Guatemala, who is a folk saint, also called the king of the graveyard, also a skeletal figure with a scythe, sometimes wears a cape and a crown but uh, also is prayed to when trying to cure diseases. Huh. It's pretty fucking rich
2: at the Catholic Church to be like, you're just making this shit up. There's no king skeleton. Anyway, come visit our church because we've got a cool holy skeleton here that you can (laughs) can come see. (laughs) For
0: real. We've got the good skeletons. In Brazil, there's actually this religion called Umbanda. I was going to make a video on these people a long time ago. It's sort of this mix of religions that is Catholicism mixed with traditional African religious practices that were brought over by slaves, the Portuguese brought to Brazil. Sort of like voodoo in like the Caribbean. Ooh. You have Umbanda in Brazil. And they have a creature called Norisha Omolu who is the personification of sickness and death, but also a personification of healing. Also associated with another creature named Iksu, who is the Lord of the Crossroads, who rules cemeteries. And you can go and see him if you go to a cemetery at midnight.
1: Oh, maybe we go do that. A little field trip?
0: Yeah, field trip. Well, how do you know which cemetery he's in? Yeah. It's true. You gotta, you gotta just go to all of them or just wait at one while he does his tour. Yeah, and like time zones too, right? Like- yeah. yeah, that's true. It's always midnight somewhere. He's got that on his coffee cup. <laughs> Speaking of voodoo, there's a group of loa in voodoo called the guede. Loa are sort of a term for sort of like halfway between spirits and deities because mm. Voodoo is still technically a very strong offshoot of Catholicism, but it's still, so it still is monotheistic, but it has a lot of these almost like saints. Yeah. Kaloa. And they have this whole family that represent the embodiment of death and fertility. The two that you probably would know are Mama Birgit and probably most famous Baron Samdi. Okay. Mm. And a lot of times they're depicted as associated with like, you know, skeletons and skulls and graveyards and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. I will
1: remind you that I do come into this podcast knowing nothing. So you being like, you might be familiar with these.
0: I do not. I am not familiar. Baron Sandy, uh, he shows up in the show American Gods. and mm. Also, I think perhaps more... Culturally relevant, The Princess and the Frog. Oh, I have not seen that, so I guess I should know that. Also shows up as part two in the series of board games, uh, the VHS board game series uh, that involves the the Keeper, or not the Crypt Keeper, the, uh, the Gatekeeper, and uh, also... Mm. Oh, Nightmare. Yeah, Nightmare. Nightmare 2 is uh, Baron Sandy. And he's in one of the James
2: Bonds, one of the Roger Moore James Bonds, I forget which one. Oh, I didn't know that. Man, I gotta watch more stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've watched like 20 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. That's like stuck in my head. (laughs) So Grim Reaper show up in that one? There are ghosts in the
0: show.
2: More often than you would think. Shonda Rhimes,
0: this is getting ridiculous. Yeah,
2: Because I would think almost never. Yeah. So really any amount is more than I would think. It happens once
1: every couple of seasons at least. There are, there's, there's ghosts in a, medical drama
2: you know if there are ghosts that's got to be very demoralizing for a doctor because you know you're like you're putting in all this work to save them and then like well but i mean if they die i do know for a fact there's an afterlife so mm-hmm. maybe it's What's fine? the worst that could happen yeah. and stakes. everyone seems
1: like cool and chill in the afterlife like it feels like everything's good everything's everything's
0: rosy yeah mm-hmm. So going to India, Mm -hmm. another figure that is sort of a grim reaper figure that shows up in a lot of Asian cultures is the figure of Yama, who is the Hindu lord of death, who presides over the court of hell. Basically, the role of Yama in Hinduism is the king of karmic justice, who, when somebody dies, assesses their karma and basically figures out whether they're going to have a better or worse uh, reincarnation. Mm. He rides on the back of a black buffalo, And has a lasso to lead souls into their new homes. Now that's cool. I mean, we've done a lot of Scythe stuff, but the
1: lasso is cool.
2: Quit kissing ass. You're not going to get a better reincarnation (laughs) just because you're sucking up. Yeah. I just think it's cool and it's
1: like sexy and it's i mean i i think it's just the greatest thing the greatest job and, and i And
2: like i went on his soundcloud and it was all like really just good really bangers
1: top stuff. to bottom yeah.
0: top to bottom bangers um, yama's great mm-hmm. So Yama has a bunch of different people that work for him called Yama Dutas, who go and carry souls and take them to Yamalok. And also, if he ever appears, he apparently disguises himself as a small child, which is terrifying. Oh, no. hmm. But basically, they take the accounts of your good and bad deeds and maintain them. And then the balance makes them decide where your next life is going to go. So this is in Hinduism. Then Buddhism shows up, which is sort of an offshoot of Hinduism. And Buddhism then moves over to China, where Yama then enters into Chinese mythology and becomes part of the Chinese idea of the afterlife. Okay. Although in their culture, he wears like a traditional Chinese judge cap and robes. And also is depicted on a lot of the hell money that you can get in China, which is the idea that when somebody dies, they need to kind of pay their way into the good afterlife. So you go and burn a bunch of hell money.
2: Mm. Mm. No, it makes perfect sense. Was not Yama also the, the being that tempted the Buddha when he lay under the lotus tree?
0: I think so,
2: but I can't confirm that. In some like Buddhist mythology, like as Buddha is... He's like, well, asceticism didn't work and earthly pleasures don't work. What am I going to do? And so he's like, okay, well, well, I'm not going to figure this out. I'm just going to meditate under this lotus tree. Sits down, bingo, bango, becomes enlightened. But during the process, Yama's like, hey, don't get enlightened. Don't do it. Keep your earthly attachments, dummy. Mm -hmm.
0: Alternate history where he listens to him and Siddhartha just becomes a himbo for the rest of his life.
2: Mm,
0: Yeah. (laughs) Gets really into NFTs. <laughs> yep. There's sort of a similar kind of figure in Korean mythology who is called the Netherworld Emissary, who's sort of looks like a stern bureaucrat who escorts people to the oh. land of the Netherworld. Hmm. Hold on. I thought Spider-Man was the emissary from hell. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Explain that, Explain Tristan. Explain that, Tristan. That's, that feels more like a Scott question than me. We haven't even talked about the
1: Marvel stuff. I was going to bring it up when you were talking about how death is a woman. And I was going to be like, you know, like in Deadpool. Or
2: in DC as well, death is a yeah. woman. Yeah,
1: Death of the Endless. So that's the comic book references. We got it in.
2: Okay. There we go. Mine was not a comic book reference. It was a reference to the 1970s Spider-Man Sentai program. Wow.
1: Well, you might be too much of a nerd to have on this
2: show anymore.
1: I just—I yeah, feel like, like you I know more than I do. I think it's like bring—you've eclipsed this
0: show's limit for. We can't for, be this nerdy about history and this nerdy about pop culture at the same time. It's making
1: us look bad, right? It's making yeah. Tristan and I look bad that you are <laughs> that you you know.
0: I'm I'm elevating the discourse. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. In the 1970 Spider-Man Sentai show, Spider-Man was given his powers by an alien who was vaguely spider-themed and then died. Yep, and before he would fight criminals, he would go, "I am the emissary of Hell, Spider-Man." That's right and then he'd I do am. karate oh occasionally, shoot ropes at them, and then summon his giant mech, uh, Leo Pardon, yeah,
0: a Spider Leopard Mech. They really just kind of ran with the the vibes uh, instead of. Reading comics for that one. It sounds pretty great. Yeah. On China for a second, actually, on the Chinese one, um, I wanted to point out also that there's this other depiction in the afterlife that I think is really cool, where it's this Chinese woman who, when you are going to be reincarnated, she makes you drink a potion that makes you forget your previous life Ooh. to explain why when you reincarnate, you don't remember your previous lives. Okay. And that there are some stories of people who tricked her into not having to drink the potion and they reincarnate with all of their memories and they're like babies who can talk and stuff like that. Whoa. But I also remember all of this because it shows up frequently in a really cool book by the name of The Years of Rice and Salt, which kind of plays into this whole discussion because The Years of Rice and Salt is a Kim Stanley Robinson novel of alternate history where the Black Death wipes out 99.9% 99.9% of all human life in Europe. And so basically, it's history without Europeans. Oh, But to tell the story of like hundreds of years, it's about two souls that keep running into each other in various reincarnations. Oh, And there's a part where they actually talk about this woman with her potions. Is it cute? Is it like a romance, these two souls? It's interesting because like in different lifetimes, like one is a tiger and the other one's hunting them. And sometimes it's a daughter and sometimes it's a lover. Like like, they change their relationship with each other throughout the centuries. It's actually kind of cool. Sometimes it's Tom Hanks and Yellowface. But there's a really great part near the end. Like they're approaching the Industrial Revolution where they have like this like Arabic Muslim version of Karl Marx. And I'm like, (laughs) interesting. Anyways, in Japan, the sort of goddess of death is named Izanami who died in a fire, giving birth to the god Hinukagutsuchi. Yeah. Hinukagutsuchi. Let's go with that one. Sure. And she went into a realm of perpetual night called the uh, Yomi no Kuni. Her husband, Izanagi, went there, but then found out when he went to go see her that she was no longer as beautiful as she was before, which led to an argument. And apparently the result of that argument is that she promised that she would go and take a thousand lives every day and become the goddess of death. Oh my god. Doesn't feel like enough. Yeah. You need to wear more makeup. Fine, fine. I'll go kill a thousand people every day. Every single day. (laughs) Another one that you might know, this is going to be the kind of anime reference, another one that shows up a lot as death gods in Japanese mythology are creatures called Shinigami. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of closer to what we think of as a grim reaper. But I found out later that Shinigami is actually a more modern thing and they don't show up at all really in traditional Japanese mythology, which is interesting. Uh, And they love to eat apples is the thing from Death Note.
1: Oh, that's one of
2: them. Apples is like drugs to them. Wow. Yeah, Shinigami are probably, if you know them from anything, it's probably Death Note. Mm. Or the plugin on Twitter that lets you know whether or not someone is transphobic. Ooh. Oh, I need that. I gotta check that one. It's called Shinigami Eyes after in Death Note. In Death Note, when they get a Shinigami's eyes, they can look at somebody and they know their name and when they're going to die.
1: Oh. Do they like apples because, like, if they represent death, right... And mm-hmm. that would be like sort of the opposite of like healing and, and life and medicine. And an apple a day keeps the doctor away.
2: So doctors hate apples. Mm. Five tricks to stay healthy. Doctors hate them. Doctors Come hate. them three will shock you. Eat apples. Doctors hate that. Uh, my understanding, and I could, and like uh, anime fans, please direct all corrections to at it's probably not aliens not to yes, that one because that's yeah, not, that's not right our twitter handle so yeah. do it to that one yeah just bombard that porcel. um they like apples because they say that it has the same effect as like a very powerful narcotic and i think it's just like the life mm. within it
0: you know is is intoxicating mm, to them okay clever yeah it's got the potential yeah I got a few more deaths. In Latvia, there's an impersonation of death called vejumate. Our Lithuanians call it giltine. Okay. Which I guess comes from their word uh, stinging, who's like this old kind of crone crones show up a lot in Eastern European mythology, who has like a big blue nose and has a tongue that's long and poisonous. Ooh. And then at one point she was young and pretty, but then was trapped in a coffin for seven years and mm. is the sister of the goddess of life. So they're sort of depicted as like the beginning of life and death is the sort of duality. But then when the Grim Reaper image came to Latvia and Lithuania, they abandoned this lady in they just have the Grim Reaper. Yeah, they were like, this one rips so much better. Like, this one's so much cooler. Even back then, they were like, that's metal as hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bretons also have a figure called the Anku, or Angau in Welsh, who is supposed to be the portent of death. It's usually the spirit of the last person in the community who died, whose job is to come back and pick them back and has a big wide hat and long white hair. Oh, I thought it was a big dog. That's a different one. It's a mm. different one. A different thing that is also associated with this. The, sometimes it is a dog. I didn't write that one down, but yeah, there is also... Yeah, it's the it's Black sort Chuck. Of... There's this... on the, the first song on the first album by the band The Darkness
2: uh, It's <gasps> about this spooky dog.
1: I only know mm-hmm. the one famous song from The Darkness, but I bet their other songs are also very good. Uh, I googled images of this figure because I wanted to know what the hat looked like, and it's awesome. Sweet. Yeah.
0: The Anku also drives like a sort of creaky wagon that's piled high with corpses. And so the idea is that if you hear that, that's like the sign that death is coming. There's also a similar figure that shows up in Irish mythology called the Dullahan. who's like Mm. a headless person who carries his head under his arm. Oh, cool. Who rides on the back of a black horse or has a carriage pulled by black horses. They stop at the house of someone who's about to die and call out their name. Mm. And when they do, that person dies. Yeah, I guess we're getting into some Irish stuff, which is also going to be fun. The that, other one yeah. that I'm sure you guys all are very aware of is the Gaelic idea of something called a banshee. Yes. A sort of female spirit who heralds the death of somebody by shrieking. Mm, yes. Usually described as a woman who's wearing green and red clothing, has disheveled long hair. Sometimes she's like, they, they either go with old and ugly or young and beautiful. Those are the only two they go with. The two kinds of women. Mm-hmm. The two, Oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: Yep. You're either a one or you're a California 10. Let's go. Yeah.
0: Sometimes, too, the Banshee is depicted as a ghost of a woman who has died in childbirth or who was murdered. Mm-hmm. And to this date, even in some traditional parts of Ireland and parts of Scotland, you will still have, as part of a mourning tradition, something called the Keening Woman, who is sort of supposed to fill the role of the Banshee, who is somebody who basically at a funeral screams for the dead. Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: The idea being that, like, the Banshee is going to roll up and be like, oh, they got one. I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for real. Does that so they keep the banshee away is that mm-hmm. the idea yeah that feels right to me I I don't know the actual idea but it's a sort of representation I guess and as you mentioned in Scottish folklore there's this black or dark green dog called the Cousith who takes dying souls to the afterlife yeah. black check that dog don't give a fuck mm-hmm. yeah And because I've been playing a lot of The Witcher, also after have to reference, in Welsh folklore, there are these people called the Gwynapnud, who are the personification of death. And what they do is they lead a group of spirits called the Wild Hunt and collect wayward souls to take them to the afterworld. So if you ever wondered where the Wild Hunt comes from, that's it. The Welsh. There's also in Scandinavia, something called the Plague Hag, who's like this woman with a black hood who shows up in town with either a rake or a broom. Okay. When she comes through town, plague comes with her if you use a rake. Some people are going to live, use a broom, everyone's going to die. Huh. Which replaced the previous one, which was Hel, the sort of personification of death in Norse mythology who rules over a part of the Norse afterlife. So it, you were
1: saying if she uses a rake, then at least some people are going to live. If she uses a broom, everyone's going to die? Yeah. How would they know that? It's a good point. If she used a broom and everyone died, who would pass on the information about the broom?
0: I don't know. Dead men well, can tell tales. They don't tales die immediately, though. They don't oh, okay. die immediately. Oh, everyone will eventually like die. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like you're you're coming through the town mm-hmm. and you find all these journal entries, you know, for your codex. <laughs> right, right. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, weird. Right before we got sick, this old lady with a broom showed up, you know. So weird. And now we're and all like, oh dying. I saw that lady, but she had a rake and some people survived. What's going on here? That's interesting. I'm putting the clues together. And you put the mystery together through
0: mm-hmm. it, Yeah. hmm Perfect. No notes.
2: Well, a
1: lot of notes, actually. That's what, that was the whole point. It was, yeah, okay. We had to collect <laughs> them all.
0: Eastern Europe has got a bunch. There's a version in Poland who looks like the Grim Reaper, but wears white. But also in a lot of Slavic countries, there's a person named Smert who represents death or kosach, which means billhook. And also there's a representation in Slavic mythology of a woman by the name of Murana, who is the goddess of winter and death and rebirth. And in a lot of these traditional places, they would make a figurine of her, which then at the end of winter, at the beginning of spring, they would make a figure of her and then... Take it away from the village to set on fire and throw into a river to celebrate the end of winter. Dramatic. Yeah. In Islam, the archangel Azrael is the angel of death who shows up. uh, This guy again. Yeah.
2: Pretty fucked up. They let that guy be Batman.
0: Mm -hmm. Use that take. He has many subordinates who basically pull souls out of people's bodies. Robin. Robin. And in Islam specifically, they make a lot of references to say that if you were a good person who was free of sin, that they would do it in a less painful fashion. And that the worse you are, the more painful they're going to make the process. Mm-hmm. And this process starts after you're buried, where two angels by the <laughs> name of um, Mumkar and Nakir give you a test of your faith. And if you answer correctly, then you get to go to good heaven. It's kind of cold comfort to like, if you have a loved one who died horribly, because it's like, ah, uh, it's probably a bad person then. <laughs> it's not so much like how you die. It's how painful the process of your soul being taken out of your body is. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. So in Islam, after you die, you get a test and they test about how faithful you are. And if you pass the test, okay. then you're taken to the good afterlife but the process being taken out is painful depending upon how good of a person you were. Okay. Wait, so even if you pass the test, it's it could still be painful. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Good reward. Yeah. And that all brings us to the one that I think is the theme of the day, which is the Aztecs. The Aztec queen of the dead is called Mictaquisituat, who is uh, named basically the queen of Mictlan, which is the sort of Aztec underworld, who rules over the afterlife with her husband, Mictlantecuhtli, who um, basically just rules all this land that's full of the bones of the dead. She's mm-hmm. represented as a skeleton. Sure. With her jaw agape and basically her stomach full of stars because her whole thing is that at the end of the night, she eats all the stars to bring daylight. That's cool. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Seems like she would have missed a star then, huh? If Mm -hmm. if we brought daylight. The sun, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So apparently there was a lot of festivals in Aztec society to her, which then, when the Catholics showed up, became syncretized with their All Hallows' Eve and became essentially the Day of the Dead, which is what we celebrate on November 1st and 2nd. It's one of the most quintessentially Mexican things that I think I've ever seen. Potentially the day you're listening to this episode. Mm -hmm. So now you get Mm -hmm. a little bit more
1: history about it.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because in Mexico, they kind of treat the Day of the Dead as a day of fun and celebration instead of one of like dark and mourning. You often get together and pay respects and remember your family members who died, but then it's kind of got this sort of jokey tone to it. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they do stuff like draw each other as skeletons, like make comics about each other as Mm. skeletons. They... Take Aztec marigold flowers to the graves, build these little altars called a to give like food and like uh, what's called caraveras, mm-hmm. which is sort of like bread that they give to the dead as like gifts. Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, you give your friends candy. A typical thing is like a little skull made of sugar, hence sugar skull. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the name of the bread is called Pan de Muerto. But yeah, like, it's a, very often, like, they make mock epitaphs of people. They write a sort of form of poetry called Caraveras literias, Mm-hmm. Literrias. Like, if you're one of those people on Twitter who are like... It's an abysmal, horrible thing that people put skeletons on their front lawn. Like, uh-huh. It seems to happen at least once uh-huh. a year. Mexico would give them a heart attack because they have a joyful celebration of remembrance of their ancestors who left before them. Right. By like giving each other skull candy and like mm-hmm. decorating and like. Skulls and bones uh, with like sort of the mix of like indigenous Aztec beliefs in central Mexico with the sort of Catholic idea that we kind of talked about earlier with memento mori and all this stuff comes together in this. As I mentioned, possibly the most Mexican thing I've ever seen in my life, which is everything that has to do with the Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. It's one of the most beautiful, colorful holidays. I really want to go to Mexico during the Day of the Dead for some of this because it's got to be amazing. I think you got to die first, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) got to do that. If you want some bread. (laughs) Mm, You mentioning the mock epitaphs made
1: me think of Mr. Maloney. Mr. Maloney. died of bologna. Mm -hmm. He choked on a bologna.
0: Yeah. 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 It would be kind of mean to Mr. Maloney, though, if on the Day of the Dead, they brought baloney to his uh, ofrenda. <laughs> yeah. Before we go, I also have one like small side note, which is also in this sort of Mexican vein, which is that there's also, and I'm going to be making a video about this. I don't know when, but I really want to make one about a person by the name of Our Lady of Holy Death, which you might know by her Spanish name of Santa Muerte, who is this deity or folk saint in Mexican religion that is this representation of death, which is actually growing in popularity in Mexico and the U.S., specifically because she's very, very popular with basically members of the cartels. She's like almost become like a sort of folk saint for organized crime. Mm. And so in like the Mexican prison system and also like among uh, you know, religious members of the the, the Mexican cartels. She's, she's a pretty big icon. But she also just is becoming, like, this new major figure within Mexican spirituality that's actually, like, weirdly kind of recent. Uh, and she's typically depicted as a woman in Mexican sort of folklore as uh, La Calavera Catrina, which is this 19th century high-class woman who is also a skeleton. Awesome. It's like a skeleton dressed in, like, fancy... 19th century dresses and stuff like that. I actually have a mug downstairs that depicts her (laughs) because I bought a bunch of Mexican folk art (laughs) at one point. Because you're into bones. We know that you're into bones. I'm into sugar skulls. I'm into Day of the Dead stuff Mm -hmm. quite a bit. But yeah, and she's also a symbol of the Day of the Dead. The depiction comes from an old 19th century Mexican political cartoon.
1: Yeah. And I think to bring it back to the two bullet points we had about ancient aliens and ancient astronaut theory, like it is frustrating to me that they could take this thing that's so clearly has roots in so many different cultures and is way more interesting to learn about the actual history of, and then just be like, I don't know, this looks like an alien because it showed up during the Black Plague, you know, where aliens are.
2: Yeah. Nothing about it implies aliens. Like it's just such a bizarre reach. Yeah. It's also like predicated on the idea that also the Black Plague was aliens.
1: And so they're just like, and so if that was aliens, then it makes sense why there was so much Grim Reaper stuff uh, imagery during the Black Plague, because then they're both aliens.
2: Yeah, I suppose. But they (laughs) prove each other, you see. Yeah. It's like,
0: you're looking at history and you're just like, maybe Caesar was an alien. I don't know. What do you want? What do you want from me? That is honestly, I thought we were going to get stronger arguments on this. This is surprisingly a good amount of the type of argument that Ancient alien spanks where it's like I don't know this is an alien. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird. Think about that. Think about that. Yeah, just real quick. There is one uh, one culture we forgot to mention: yep.
2: speedsters. When they die, they are chased by the black racer. Mm. Uh, and I just know you're going to get a lot of comments about that if I didn't say thank something. You. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you yeah. Thank you. Should I cover that when I cover Japan? Yeah, helps us
1: out a lot actually. And as the expert of all things spooky and scary. Mildred, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find more of you and your stuff online if they would like to do so?
2: Well, I'm right behind you. Ah. Ah. Uh, No, that was just a spooky joke. Uh, you can find me at youtube.com slash Thought Slime is the primary channel. But if you're looking to get into the holiday spirit, the day of the dead Ooh, spirit. it's coming out on
0: November 1st, so. Yeah.
2: Then uh, you can go to youtube.com slash Scaredy Cats TV, which is my horror movie channel, where I discuss the spooky macabre that we call horror stuff. Ooh, it's yeah. very good. It's all very good. Everything you
1: make is very, mm-hmm. very good. So mm-hmm. everyone go check it out. Thank we'll have you. links in the description and yeah, thank you so much again for joining for this episode. Significantly fewer aliens in this one than the first time you were on. That's true. Yeah. But we do have another episode with Mildred if you want to go check it out. It's a grab
2: bag episode. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, those are fun. Very fun. I do feel kind of baited that like I came here for a discussion about how skeletons are aliens, and instead I
0: just learned a bunch of shit. About different cultures, we need to bring you back for the corrections episode. I feel like that would be a good
2: that'd be a good vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out
0: it was aliens. Yeah,
1: we've gotten that feedback before about how people think we're going to talk about aliens and then we don't, and it's just it's a big part of our like we're working on it. Like it's oh
2: no, sorry, I meant that as like uh this is a thing a silly foolish person would say. Mm-hmm. Ha ha! Is wouldn't it be hilarious if if Mildred were to say this mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. type of joke?
1: Yes, I was try I was building off of it. I think. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. Never mind. We're figuring it out. Oops. It doesn't matter. Oops.
1: I like this show and I think people like it. Anyway, speaking of a corrections episode, you know, if you want to send us corrections or just comments and things like that, the best place you can find us is Prob's Not Aliens on Twitter. And Tristan, you also do other things online,
0: I'm sure. Yeah, I somehow run a YouTube channel called Step Back. I'm just about to finish a series I did on Russia that's going to get me in some hot water, so that'll be fun. (laughs) But yeah, it's really great. And also, if I want to get into the holiday spirit of Spooktember next year in 2023, because it's now November, Mm -hmm. where is the premier font of Scooby-Doo YouTube content on this platform?
1: Yeah, I guess that would be me. My YouTube channel is NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. I'm making so many Scooby Doo videos. I hope I can even get them done in time. I have so many things that I want to do—an unnecessarily deep dive into Fred's ascot and what that means about masculinity and femininity and things like that—and making a whole bunch of Scooby Doo sandwiches for fun and just talking about so much Scooby Doo stuff. I don't know. I just have a lot
2: of—I have a lot of ideas, and I like Scooby Doo. All right, sue me. Yeah, and if—if if that doesn't sound like it appeals to you, I have to ask. Would you watch it for a Scooby snack? Mm,
1: that's a good question.
0: I mean, they got to be good, right?
1: Scooby snacks? I tried to make some for my video and they turned out not great, but that's operator error, all right? The Scooby snacks themselves mm. always look delicious.
0: Yeah, I ran into a Shaggy, a person who played Shaggy at a theme park once, and I was like, Do you like eating dog treats? And he was like, No, no, it's a human treat. The, the dog is eating a human treat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, It's uh, not better. It's not better. It's bad for their kidneys or something.
1: Yeah. Thank you to everyone who writes reviews of this show on Apple Podcasts. I want to give a special shout out to Aegis Shield Twenty Eight, a fitting name for this episode. I've seen heaven. I guess that's not very fitting. Uh, you would have seen hell potentially. I don't know. Grim Reaper does both, right? Just death in general. Yeah. Bo Forth, Magic Fan 1992, and Kai Gambler. Thank you so much to everyone who writes reviews. And we've got so much more that we're going to shout out the names of. So we really do mm-hmm. appreciate it. And the
0: best way to spread the word other than writing reviews is to tell your friends. Right, Tristan? Yep. As I say every week, podcasts, unlike YouTube, don't really have recommendation algorithms to have people find stuff. So word of mouth is really the only way that podcasts grow. So if you like this show and you think that other people would like it in your life, share it with them because it really, really helps more than anything that you could do for the show. Just showing one other person you think would like it. An episode is probably the best thing that you can do.
1: Yeah. And the best place to send people is a very simple website, Say it with me now, probsnotaliens.com. That's the website. I was going to say that. Yeah, none of you guys said it with me,
2: so I'm- Yeah, well, s- I didn't know what it was, so it was kind of unfair to expect me to say right. it Right. Okay. You.
0: Next it's time- hard to speak in unison uh, during yeah. a Zoom call. I would just Google
2: what it's Scott and Tristan's podcast, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. Google will be like, oh, probably it's probably not aliens. Probs not aliens.
1: Send people there. It's where you can find links to the show in every single place that we have it, and I think that's everything. So yeah, that's a, this is a big one. Once again, thank a you. Chonky one. Once again, thank you so much, Mildred from Thought Slime and Scaredy Cats for being on the
2: show, Mildred. But she's been dead for fifteen years.
0: Oh. <gasps> My name is Scott. My name's Tristan, and the truth is out there. Oh no, probably.
2: Oh no, you meant Mildred from Thoughtslime. No, he's he's still alive.